Well, thank you, Rachel, for leading us in worship today. In Christ, a new creation. In Christ, we are made new. For Christ, the Lord of nations, is calling me and you. In Christ, a new creation is rising from the old. Let's start the celebration and let our lives unfold. It's an old song I used to sing when I was a teenager. It's a message that I learned as a member of the church, and it's something I still believe, still believe today. I have to warn you, I have more sermon than we have time for, so I'm going to do my best to walk through it instead of uh, go through every part of that. In Christ, we are made new, and in Christ, we are called to make others new. To make our world new. To make our faith renewed every day. Today is Easter every Sunday. It's part of that six sermon series I mentioned uh, in my opening remarks. Uh, And we began by looking at Sabbath as in which the day we recognize that life and all of life is a gift from God. And then we looked at the major elements of our good home. All that they provide for us all that they mean for us the air the fire the water the earth and today we return to what is our signature message the core of our faith as christians how god's love is incarnated is focused in the person of christ and christ for us so easter is every sunday or maybe another way to say it is sunday is the eighth day of easter Ever heard that expression before? The eighth day. The early church marked every Sunday is what they call the eighth day. Here's how it works. God worked and made creation in six days. Then God rested on the Sabbath day and God said, oh, it's perfect. It's perfect. But the problem is, with we humans, it's no longer perfect. That good creation that God made for us is now imperfect. Now it needs some kind of redemption, some kind of involvement. So on Easter, God didn't just raise Jesus from the dead. Now, that's pretty miraculous. That's pretty powerful. But God did more than just raising a dead body on Easter morning. Scripture tells us that on Easter Sunday, We mark the moment when Christ said, Behold, I make all things new. I make all things new. And so, on Sundays we gather, on this eighth day of Easter, we gather to remind each other of this. Remind each other what we see, and what we say, and what we do, as children of God and followers of Jesus. So one of the Easter stories that I think helps us understand this is a story that happened eight days later. So Resurrection Day is just one day. We can't repeat that day. But eight days later, the followers of Jesus still couldn't understand what happened. And so they were gathered in a room. See, eight days ago, he peered to them in a room and he said, I'm alive and you can touch me and you can hear my voice. You can see me. You can hear what I'm saying. You can, if you need to put your hand and touch me. But Thomas wasn't there. Thomas wasn't there, and so eight days later, 
Jesus appears to them again. And Thomas is finally there. Can you imagine that week from resurrection day to the eighth day, what it must have been like for Thomas? That's our story. That's our story. For eight days, he walked around in doubt. For eight days, he walked around in disbelief. For eight days, I'm sure he still walked around in fear, wondering what was going to happen, and wondering about this news, wondering about this surprise to his expectations, wondering about if indeed God in Christ was really alive. He walked around. He lived his life waiting and wondering, confused and afraid and needing something. And then on the eighth day, on that next Sunday, when they were gathered together and Thomas was with them, Jesus appeared again. And his doubts and his fears and his questions and his faith were all answered in the person of Jesus. We're kind of like Thomas, aren't we? I mean, I wonder, how do you spend your week between Sundays? I mean, you start your week, you, you work your week, and then it all goes perfectly, right? Anybody? Perfect week? Who's had the perfect week? Come on. Come on! <laughs> Somebody, please! <laughs> no doubts, no worries, no setbacks, no struggles. Oh, and I wonder, I wonder, as you walk through your week, did Jesus... Did Jesus appear to you? Did Jesus appear to you during the week? Does Jesus appear to you or you just walk around with disbelief and and doubt and fear in your struggles? We gather on Sundays. We gather on this eighth day of Easter. This recurring eighth day of Easter. To see And to say, and can I say, sing about Jesus. Sing about the one who's the source of our hope, the source of our faith, the source of our confidence, the source of our courage. We are Easter people. And we are being made new. And a lot of that happens on Sunday when we gather. But the hard reality, the hard truth about life is that it's hard. And it's challenging. And that's all the more reason for us to gather. I'd like to take this opportunity to give some updates about our Honduran family. I've checked with them and they've given me permission to talk a bit. And uh, I'm not going to use their real names because uh, this sermon will go on our website and we'll continue to use the pseudonyms Juan and Maria. Juan and Maria had that journey from Sunday to Sunday, if you will. It lasted 15 months. I mean, they had no choice about leaving Honduras. They had very little warning before they fled. Their lives back home were threatened. Their lives really back home had ended. What was Honduras like today? Violent crime is rampant there. I understand that the murder rate there is the highest in the world. There's often no punishment for crime and human rights abuses. The judges cannot act independent. Journalists, environmental activists, LGBT activists 
all these people are the ones most vulnerable to violence, to civic violence. Women and girls who terminate pregnancies are imprisoned for up to six years. Children as young as 12 are prosecuted as adults. This is Honduras. This is their home that they left. This is the life that ended. You know, I didn't know any of these things when they came to us. We didn't know any of these things when we took that leap of faith and and we invited Juan and Maria and their two children to come and live here back in July. I was touched. I was so touched by that story that when they arrived in Columbus, their little daughter was only six days old. Six days old. Six days of life. And now she's healthy and happy and growing like a weed. Those are some hard truths about what we do between Sundays, between Easter and the eighth day. Now, we, we, we could tell the same kind of hard truths about here at Just North Church. Let me do just a few of those as well. They came to us all of a sudden, this opportunity to welcome and host the family. And I have to tell you, it was disruptive. It was disruptive. I mean, churches as an institution in our culture today are struggling. We've become less important. To more and more people, church is a nice option unless they've got something better to do a better way to spend their money, a better place to get entertained, a better gathering with family and friends. Church is just not recognized or valued the way it was a generation or two ago. Or we can talk about the financial climate that churches are in. Our financial risks can be scary at times. I mean, how will we pay for this ministry? Thank God we haven't had a leak in our roof for how many months now? Oh, sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. But how many furnaces do we have? Is it eight or nine or ten or eleven? I can hear someone saying something like this. I just want to make it perfectly clear that there's no money in the budget for that. No money, period. Or, or, in today's political climate, I can hear someone saying, I'm so upset about the conditions on the border, but things are so uncertain here at home. Honestly, I just feel we're getting too political here at Just North. I mean, save this person, save that person. What about our own needs here? What about our responsibilities to each other? How do we find a healthy balance? Those conversations happen, and they're important. They're all good and valid. It's, it, those are some of the hard truths about being a faith community in a day like today, seeking to be Easter people, seeking to live out that eighth-day gospel of renewed life. And all of these concerns, all of these anxieties, they can ripple through the congregation. These are the hard truths. But I also want to say some some things that I know that are true, that are affirming, that are positive, that are real, that are encouraging. Encouraging about this Easter newness that we live into. You know, why did Juan and Maria walk for 15 months to come here? Let's start with why they left. 
without sharing any details that would compromise their privacy or their safety. Let me simply say they were seeking to be part of a solution at great personal risk. Seeking to do much good and taking a risk doing that. And that risk materialized and prompted them to flee for their lives. A great personal risk, they wanted to bring about change, good change in their, in their community, in their home. Justice, equality in a country that they loved. And that love was so deep, so deep that they risked their lives. They risked their lives in hope. And their hopes were dashed. And their lives were threatened. And so they fled. And they came here. They came here to renew that hope. And what good has come out of that? What good has come out of that, that long journey from Easter to the eighth day, if you will? Well, a whole lot of good. I'm pleased to tell you that we're going to be having a bilingual a baptismal service here on November 24. Their children will be baptized. I'm pleased to tell you they have a marriage license and have set the date. And you're all invited. December 14th, we'll be having a bilingual wedding here at church. I can tell you that uh, for a couple of months, uh, they enjoy the hospitality over, overnight hosts, but now they've lived into this place well enough that we've stopped doing overnight hosting. I'm glad to tell you that meals Monday, Wednesday, and Friday are either cooked and brought in, or they take them out to dinner, or they go to somebody's home. Those meals continue. I can tell you that their son is learning a whole lot of English, because every day he's in the daycare center now, the child care center. I can tell you that baby is winning a lot of hearts. Oh my gosh, if you hold her for five minutes, if Sharia will let you, <laughs> you'll know what I mean. <laughs> I can tell you that under the leadership of Joyce and Kim and many others, uh, a plan has been put together for this family to begin to move towards financial independence. I can tell you they're safeguarding that path of seeking asylum. I can tell you there's plans to made to travel to Chicago to the Honduran consulate to obtain uh, copies of their passport. I can tell you that their medical needs are being met. I can tell you that their immediate needs are being met. I can also tell you that they're going to be joining us at the All Church Family Reunion when we get to define what family is. I can tell you that's, that Juan and Maria, boy, I got to be careful. <laughs> Juan and Maria are home here because we've opened our hearts, we've opened our lives, we've shared it. A couple more thoughts. I've got to walk through this. So some of us met with a couple the other day, <clears throat> and um, it's a time in which uh, we share deeply. It's a time in which we laugh a good bit. And it's also a time we often cry a bit. And it's a challenge. It's a challenge in terms of what's hard to do, but it's also a challenge, uh, and I'm thinking about some of the things that Maria said the other day. It's a challenge to take it in. Why 
Why are you doing this for us? Why have you opened your church to us? Why do you uh, provide an opportunity for our son to be in child care? Why do, you, why do you make sure Juan's teeth are cleaned and restored? Why, why are you doing all the, why do you take us down to the ice visits? Why do, why do you accompany us and help pay for our legal? Why are you doing all of this for us? It was hard. It's so hard for this young couple, these proud people, to take in why we do that. And they're so grateful. And if I may say, still a little uncomfortable, little uncomfortable. I'm looking at Juan right now sitting next to Leslie. They're so grateful and so uncomfortable, but they understand that we are Easter people. We are people who were surprised by the resurrection, and we are people who recognize that life is not perfect yet. But whenever we gather, whether it's in worship on a Sunday, or a midweek meeting, or serving food at the pantry, or a dinner at the Y shelter, or taking Juan and Maria and their two beautiful children out to dinner. Whenever we gather, we are Easter people. Juan wanted me to tell you this. Thank you. Gracias. Thank you. You should know, he said, that when we arrived here, at your church, we found a group of people, we found many people who became angels to us. Angels and our family. That's what Christ calls us to be. To be recipients of the good news of Easter, but also to share that with others. As somebody once told me, we walk into being Easter people. We see, we say, and then we walk into it by doing it. And so we come back Sunday after Sunday to reconnect. We come back Sunday after Sunday to recognize who we are. We come back Sunday after Sunday to maybe recover what we've lost during the week. Or maybe, as someone said, maybe to uncover, to peel off what's accumulated during the week. We come back Sunday after Sunday to remind ourselves of who we are as children of God and followers of Christ. We come back because it's Easter. We come back because it's the eighth day after Easter. We come back because we look for and find Christ. And then we tell each other what we have seen. And then we go and do what we've told each other we believe. We are Easter people who see, who say, and do the good news of Easter. And that's why we gather. And that's why we give thanks to God. Amen.